Hey guys, this is the second part of our procrastination episode. Uh, if you haven't seen the first part, I would go ahead and watch that. Otherwise, this may not make a whole lot of sense. Uh, so here you go. Okay. Let's okay. go back to time management. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Because I have some thoughts as to why time management... Well, just start talking about time management. Well... Let's say what you were going to say. Okay. I... I think that growing up, I was often given bad advice about my procrastination. I would be told things like, don't be lazy. Uh, or my favorite, don't procrastinate. Uh, which is like saying, hey, I have a problem. And someone going, well, have you tried solving it? Uh, <laughs> thanks, teacher. Yeah, if I knew how to not procrastinate, I would not procrastinate. Anyway, that's just stupid. But the, the third one that I would get a lot is, oh, you need to manage your time better. But that isn't the problem. The problem is not that I... I didn't need an app or a paper to tell me that I ought to work on a project a little bit every day for a week instead of doing it with T minus 40 minutes to go before class started. I, I knew that. So the, the time management wasn't the problem, but some of the time management techniques can help. Like making a to-do list. A to-do list doesn't, it's not this revelation of, oh my God, I ought to do this today and not at the last possible second. But what it does make me do is it does make me think about stuff. If I have a task and I say, okay, let's start writing it down in the form of a to-do list, it means that the multiverse of crappy, annoying things that could happen has to collapse down into an actual to-do list of, oh, maybe the first item for learning how to program is to Google how to program or which program should I use? Maybe I can find some nice tutorial to start doing on Code Academy or whatever having to make a to-do list makes me think about it it makes me observe the thing that i'm thinking about and it helps me as long as i do it correctly collapse it down into this pretty concrete set of simple things to do and if i'm faced with the choice of should i pass this off to future me or present me type which programming language to use into Google, that's not so bad. I can do that right now. Especially if I reflect on the fact that future me isn't going to want to do it any more than present me does. So the time management stuff I think can help, but not that it's managing your time. It's that it's managing your emotions and helping you think about a task and right. dissipate the fog. I think that's the, the main appeal of that. What are your I thoughts on time management? Well, I, I agree. I mean, procrastination is a huge, like, emotional issue. Yes. And there's a lot of things going on. But what time management does for me is it puts a sense of urgency on things. Mm -hmm. um, a few weeks ago, I, I think, I was having one of those days where I just could not get started. I was procrastinating a lot. And I was getting really depressed about it and frustrated. Yeah. It seems so stupid. Like, just get started. But it's not that easy. <laughs> it's it's not um, easy. I feel the so, same, but it's not. And the time just seemed to be stretching on forever. And mm -hmm. the day was just becoming horrible. Because um, I'm feeling like a failure or whatever. Yeah. So I decided I'm just going to set a timer for 10 minutes and do dishes. Because I'm useless. Mm -hmm. So I'll just do that. 
I set the timer for 10 minutes. I start doing dishes. All of a sudden, I'm in a completely different mood. I'm, I'm in the get things done mood. I'm in the like, I have this sense yeah. of urgency all of a sudden. And all of a sudden, I, I see time as this thing that's ticking away. And I need to, to get things done. I, I need to make decisions. I, I think that's the key thing is I have to make decisions. Mm -hmm. And I actually do want to work on the thing that I wanted to work on. Yeah. Um, I don't want to waste my life not doing this, you know? So after the 10 minutes, I get started right away. I mean, it just, it, so that, that's what time management kind of does for me is it, it puts that sense of urgency on you. Or it kind of changes your thinking about your time and where it's going, I yeah. guess. Well, I, yeah. I so, mean, yeah, that's the same feeling that I had. Like I said, the problem for me is that I picture future me catching all of the wasted hours that present me is, is making. Like, I might be unproductive today, but future me is going to make up for all of that. Uh, and I, I do, if I do the same kinds of thing where I, I get started and I, I get a little bit of momentum going, sometimes there's this mental clarity that happens of, oh, present me needs to get stuff done and there's this many hours left in the day and there's stuff that I want to do, so I'm gonna go do them and it, this might take an hour and so I'll focus on that and this might take an hour and it, it changes that relationship where it's no longer just superhero future me doing all these things that present me is just not caring about for some reason. Right. Um, Dr. Ferrari says, you can't manage time, you can manage yourself. I, I don't know if I exactly know what that means, but. Well, stop worrying so much about getting the perfect amount of hours and mm -hmm. whatever. But if, if you can get yourself mentally up to the task, I, I don't know. Yeah. For some reason, it, it meant something to me, and I ended up getting things done and not worrying too much about, mm -hmm. you know, spending exactly an hour and a half on something or exactly 20 minutes doing a task. It was, right. you know, it, am I in the right mindset? Am I focused? Am I truly focused on the task? Right. So. Okay. I have, oh, I kind of want to talk about motivation, unless you got something right now. No, no, go ahead. Yeah. Okay people waiting for motivation to get started on a task. How do you feel about that? Well, I, I think people assume that they need to feel motivated in order to start something, right? Yeah, I, I think of that a little bit similar to creativity uh, in the sense that if you're going to, I don't know, write a piece of music or come up with ideas for anything, whatever it is, sometimes you kind of picture yourself like you need to sit there and concentrate and hope that creativity happens and you'll think, ah, I'm just not creative right now or maybe tomorrow I'll be creative. But that's not really how you get ideas. You get ideas by looking at things and kind of putting your head up and looking throughout the world and listening to music and if you're trying to write a piece of music and hearing things that you like and you might hear something that you find interesting and you start 
looking for other things that sound similar or you find interesting or it leads to other ideas in your head and you start getting in this mode where lots of things start coming out and one thing leads to another uh, that's how i think creativity usually works is you you go out looking for it and sometimes you don't quite find what you're looking for but that's how you get there and i think motivation is similar you don't become motivated by sitting there and clenching your fists and hoping to become motivated you become motivated by what we just said thinking about a task and breaking it down and starting something and sometimes you start something and you actually aren't really that into it and i think that this is a bit of a side point but one of the problems I have with procrastination and this idea that it can be hard to start a task is that sometimes I will start one and I don't enjoy it or I'm just not focused. The motivation isn't happening and I force myself to grind it out for an hour or two of me being miserable. And it's true that sometimes you do need to push a little bit to get the train moving, but other times it's just not the right time. You're not into it. I can't write a song right now. I just can't. But forcing yourself through it is not the way because that adds to that feeling of it being difficult every time. If you know that every time you start a task, you're going to have to grind it out and, and force yourself through it, you oftentimes just don't want to start a task. But if you start it, you give yourself an honest window of working on it and doing some task and the motivation doesn't come, it's okay, I think, to go, all right, maybe this just isn't the thing right now and you go do something else. And I, I think it lowers that friction of you starting that task in the future. If you know that you can start it and you can stop if you honestly just aren't into it, that makes it a lot easier to just next time go, okay, I, I'll start it. And if I don't like it, I can stop there too. Right. So I, I guess my answer to your question is that motivation, it's not something that just hits you. You have to develop it. You have to put forth effort and try things and, and get going and put some thought out there. But there are times when you're just not motivated and it, it is okay to switch to something else. Well, I, I just feel like a lot of people, I mean, myself included, you, you put off the task because you don't feel motivated and you can end up right. procrastinating forever because yes. you, you assume that motivation should strike you and then you will go do it. Like, you will want to go do the thing when actually I, I think motivation is like a reactionary feeling. Mm -hmm. I mean, once you get going and if things are going well, then you feel motivated. That That's when the train has yeah. developed the momentum and it starts carrying you. That's when you feel the motivation. Yes. I 100% I agree. I think motivation is something that you find and develop as you, as you do something. It's not something that just hits you. Right. So I, I think it's dangerous to assume that when you see other people doing something and they're really good at it, you just assume that they always love it or, or mm -hmm. it's so easy for them to get into it when actually it may be difficult at the beginning and right. then they feel motivated. Right. That, that was my only thought on that. Oh, I totally agree. I, I think that, yeah, I agree. That's all I'll say there. All right. Cool. Oh, okay. Do you, okay. Do you have anything else? Uh, well, I think really just one last thought on one of the. Here's a, a 
pretty funny thing about procrastination that's frustrating. If you're a procrastinator, oftentimes you wind up doing things at the last minute in a panic. And it's, it's an intense experience. And one of the problems with that is if that's how you do every task that you need to do, then that's your emotional relationship with doing anything. Anything you do is this panicky, frantic, get it done desperately in the nick of time thing. And so in the future, any task that you're faced with, it has that feeling to you of it's always unpleasant or at least super intense, but it doesn't need to be. It's only that way because you procrastinate it, but you procrastinate it because that's how you feel about it. I think it's a bit of a feedback loop. Like procrastination makes tasks feel worse because you frequently do them in really crappy ways. Did that make sense? Did I say that right? Yes. I like that actually. Okay. I haven't thought about that. Yeah. So I, what you're saying is if you always procrastinate, then the only way you actually get things done is through a panic. And then you start associating <laughs> getting things done as you in this panic state. Yes. So it only makes you procrastinate more. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think there's a bit of a feedback loop to it. So what's the solution? Don't procrastinate. Like I said, <laughs> those teachers were right all along. Well, I, I think that there's ways of you're only beginning your work when you feel that sense of urgency and you're mm -hmm. only getting that um, towards the end of your deadline or, or yeah. when the deadline becomes closer. And so you're waiting for that sense of urgency. Right. You're, you're waiting for the decision of do it now or don't do it. Mm -hmm. Right? Yes. Yes. You can no longer fantasize. And, and so you're waiting for that moment where you, you can't do that anymore. And then you start. I, I think there are little ways of, of of spreading that out, you know? Yeah. So you kind of break it, you break the task down. I, I don't know. There, there are ways of simulating that in a smaller scale, simulating the panic, the, the sense of urgency right. across. It. Here's an example that I have I was thinking about. Um, we're talking about a deadline, right? where it, it sucks when you have a deadline coming up and that's when you do something. But there are some things that you don't have a deadline for. And if you're a serious procrastinator, that means that you will literally never do them. It's a, right. it's a major problem. Uh, so exercise is one of them for a lot of people, I think. Um, I, I know from much or lots of firsthand experience that some people want to lift weights they want to go to the gym and lift but there's a lot about that that makes that a really uncomfortable idea if you've never done it before you're not exactly sure how to handle a barbell uh, that idea of doing it is just a very uncomfortable thing for many people with with reason i mean it's it's odd it's foreign you don't really know what's going to happen there and so you picture yourself going to the gym wanting to lift and there's, again, the multiverse thing of all these different anxieties that come up of uh, maybe I won't be able to find parking and 
what if I walk in and the person at the counter is not there and I have to stand around awkwardly and wait? And what if I go over and all the bench presses are full with a bunch of weird high school kids yelling at each other? And what if I get on there and I drop the weight on my face or I try to do too much? And there's just a, they aren't always conscious thoughts. Usually they're just swirling around in your mind, but there's this big ball of anxiety around going to the gym, even though it's something you want to do. And if you had a deadline, where someone said, you go today or you will be banned permanently from ever lifting a weight in your life and that is a choice you have made forever, then you might do it, but that won't happen. You just do it tomorrow and do it tomorrow and future you will will figure it out. Uh, and that's that's a rough thing to handle, but I think what you should do is you should say, my goal is to go to the gym and sign in at the front desk and then go to the bathroom and then leave. And that should be your first goal for that first day at the gym. And once you do that, all you have to do is deal with the anxiety around getting there and seeing a new place and meeting the person at the front desk and walking in and going to the bathroom and then leaving. And that's it. That's your goal. And you might think, well, that's stupid. I'm not exercising. I don't want to go there and waste time, but you aren't wasting time. You're dealing with a serious problem that you need to have respect for, which is your need to procrastinate. So you do that and then you're comfortable with that. And you say, okay, next goal, go to the gym. I will look at the bench presses. If they're full, then I will get on an elliptical, pedal for 10 minutes and leave. Right, that part of the anxiety is what do I do if the bench presses are full? Well, that's what you do. You make this decision ahead of time, you get on the elliptical, you peace out. If they're not, you go to a bench press, you grab an empty bar, you do one set of five repetitions with an empty bar and then you leave. And that's it, like, you, you don't have this foggy idea in your head of, oh, I, I don't know what to do once I get there, how much weight should I put on? And there's a million questions of right. these random anxiety causing things, you have a very clear, distinct decision tree plan of what you're going to do, and then you do it. And yeah, of course, like you're not going to get super ripped doing a single set of five presses with an empty bar, but you will deal with that anxiety where you'll do it and you'll realize that, oh, well, I did it and it wasn't really that big of a deal and I could definitely have done more. And then next time, you know, you add a little bit more and you start you start tackling the real problem that you have, which is the anxiety around this thing that way, where you come up with as simple, doable things as you possibly can, depending on how severe your uh, procrastination, perfectionism, anxiety, whatever is, uh, and you, you slowly push your way into that situation that way. Well, yeah, it's, it's kind of the same thing we were saying before is, when you look at the whole problem of going to the gym and working out for the first time ever, and you're yeah. trying to get ripped and you want to change your entire life. I mean, that's a huge vague problem mm -hmm. and that's scary. Like this is, it's a huge monster, but if you start shedding some light on it and start breaking it down to the really simple things, yes. I mean, is it really that scary to go park in the parking lot? No. Is it really that scary to walk in the front door? Maybe a little. Bit. <laughs> yeah, but, but it's doable. But it's not that bad. I could walk in and then walk out. Yeah. You know, can you talk to the person at the front desk and just ask a few questions? That's not that scary. What mm -hmm. about just walking around the weights? Like, that's not that bad. And so right. you, every single, like, if you break down every problem one at a time, it's not that bad. Yeah. Like, it's it's really not that bad. And if if you give it a shot and try it, 
it might actually be kind of fun. Mm -hmm. And, and that might be why you wanted to do it in the first place anyway. Um, I don't know. Yeah. That, that's a good example. Yeah. I think you're, if you're like us, you have this tendency to fantasize in this, you know, I'm I have done this so many times and it is so dumb where at the new year, whatever, I think for this whole year, every single day, I'm going to do 200 pushups every day and it'll be really hard at first and I'll, I'll get through it, which is just same with the gym. It, it's easy, I think, for many people to set this goal of, well, I'm, I'm this year I'm going to go to the gym and I'm going to work out for two and a half hours every single day and I'm going to get so in shape and it's going to be so amazing. And that's exactly the opposite of what you should do. You should go the complete opposite direction and think my goal is to park in the parking lot at the gym. That's my goal. And yeah. if you if you complete your goal, which I know it sounds stupid, but if you complete it and you're left thinking, oh man, I, I really could have done more. That really wasn't hard at all. That's a good place to be. If yeah. you set a goal where you are bound to fail, like trying to do 200 pushups every day for the whole year, that it's so stupid on so many levels because as soon as you miss a day, which inevitably is going to happen, you should have known that from the very start, you immediately feel guilt of, oh, I failed. I didn't accomplish it. It's the exact opposite of that feeling of, oh, I did that and it wasn't, it wasn't bad. Right. That's, you, I think, you your approach. You want to do things that leave you wanting more. Yes. If you do things that you fail at, you, you don't want to do any more. Right. Right. So, so set your goals really low and yeah, and achieve them. And then you'll want to set another goal and achieve that one and, and make sure yes. you can achieve them. And not to, not to reach over to the other side too much, but I imagine that there is a parallel reality of people who are not perfectionists and who are not obsessive and they have the opposite things where what they need to do is set bigger goals because they show up and they don't do enough and they need to be pushed. But that's someone else. If, if you have these, do they ex do I they think exist? they do. <laughs> I'm sure they do. They have to. Uh, but we live in our own reality of people like you and I who have these obsessive perfectionist procrastination problems. And I think that the approach you want to take is what we just said. Make it stupidly simple. Make yourself want to do more after you're done. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Here's another reason why I think people it's might be a long well, podcast. Maybe we split it into two parts. I don't know. Okay. Yeah, no, no, go I, ahead. I, go ahead. I got a a couple more at least. <laughs> okay. Um, this is another reason why people might procrastinate, and I realize that it's actually why I probably procrastinate sometimes, is that if you're so focused on work and getting a lot of things done all the time, always. And that is all you do. You're like a workaholic and you don't really have any fun things to do. This yeah. is me. I don't... Yeah. Yeah. I know you're talking about you. Yeah. The only time where you feel remotely relaxed or, or like you're having fun or having that vacation from your work is when you procrastinate. And so your procrastination mm -hmm. becomes an award, it, but you can still excuse it because it's going to lead to work. Like it, you almost feel like you're still working 
Does that make sense? It, yeah, I think. Uh, wait, but why calls it the dark playground? Does he? Yeah. Does he address that? Where you're, you're kind of working, but you're kind of procrastinating, and you wind up just you're all yeah. all your time bleeds together. Is that what you're talking about? Yeah. And so if if you don't have scheduled breaks in your work, or if you yeah. don't have a, a time to just have fun then when you procrastinate that is the only time that you get that that's a super good point um i i wanted to bring that up too in that all right sorry about that i guess we crashed uh i think we're back so you were you were just saying how uh if you're the workaholic type uh and have that obsessive nature that procrastination can almost be a break that is something right. uh, that rings extremely true with me one thing i have noticed when i get into a project and if i hit that obsession train type of thinking where suddenly it becomes the only thing i can think about i'm up all night it's just this thing that i'm super fixated on uh to me that obsession almost feels a bit like a drug where my mind is running in overdrive i'm going 110 percent and inevitably it ends. I can't sleep for three hours a night indefinitely. Eventually my mind kind of comes down from that. Uh, right. And it can it can leave me needing relief. Of I, It's like I have an obsession hangover where I can't focus that well. Uh, and I, I start procrastinating and, and getting into that dark playground type of thing a lot. And I think the only answer there is to moderate a bit. We talk about procrastination, how almost from one side of it, where you're, you're procrastinating something, you're resisting getting into it. But once you get into it and the motivation train starts moving and maybe even you get into that overdrive obsession kind of state, I think you actually want to moderate that a little bit as well. If I don't work for 14 hours a day and obsess over something if i force myself to disengage and i said this before sometimes uh something physical like lifting can be a really good way to do that because it forces me to unplug my mind from something and get into something else doing that kind of moderation can make it so that i don't wind up with as much of a hangover and i don't resist getting into something as much later on uh, because right. I, I don't create these massive, monstrous, all-consuming tasks every time I start something. Right. And I, I think, you know, if you're doing a lot of working, your brain craves that rest. Yes. It, it needs it. And so it will force you to procrastinate mm -hmm. as a positive thing. Yes. So it, procrastination is... I It can be a good thing. Well... I, I don't know if I agree because the, the dark playground is kind of gross to just to lean into. Explain wait, the but why dark metaphor. playground again. Th um... This is not my metaphor. This is wait, but why? Uh, Tim Urban, I think his name is. He describes that state you get into where you have something you need to do, but you're resisting doing it. A lot like you said, when you're you're pushing the train a little and then stopping and doing something else and constantly getting distracted. It says if you're half wasting time on stupid stuff and then you're half kind of working but never really getting focused and your yeah. time just kind of blurs into this murky gross continuous thing of kind of working kind of not never really doing either like you're relaxing but you're not actually that relaxed 
right. I get in that state sometimes and I it's not it's not pleasant. And I I think the better thing is if you have time of actually relaxing and doing whatever you find to be a leisure activity and then having a time where you are focused. I it, when you start to procrastinate almost uncontrollably where you can't get into something, I, I think you're right. It is your brain resisting. Maybe you are overworked, but I don't think that's the ideal way to do it. I think you're, if you, you needed to not go so hard in the past or you need to just relax and really recover. We talked about this in social media, how a lot of the time when I'm wasting time on Reddit and doing stuff like that, it's not actually the thing that I want to do. If I were to say, I have three hours of time that I can do whatever I want with, then I might actually start playing around with my 3D printer or go for a bike ride or read a book or do something that I actually want to do. Those time-wasty procrastinator activities, sometimes it's more of, an, of me avoiding doing something I want to do than doing a thing that I wanted to do for leisure. So I don't think that's a good place to be, at least for, for me, of involuntarily procrastinating. Yeah, I... I think that's what I meant is yeah after if you spend too much time working your your brain wants to rest the good thing to do is to go and change gears into one of your other leisure activities actually rest and actually yeah and get some actual rest right. unlike the the purgatory of yes of going to of work of half working and half being distracted yeah I I agree um, so actually, uh, changing gears, uh, I think, is one reason why people may cr procrastinate as well. Mm -hmm. um, say you're you're sitting around relaxing, or or maybe you're in slight purgatory. I don't know, but you're you're kind of in a resting state, not really doing anything. Your brain doesn't want to change gears mm -hmm. into something else. Because it, it's comfortable. Um, it it takes a lot of mental energy to to switch into that other world of whatever yes. you need to be doing. I there is a weird thing that happens to me, and I I don't really even understand why, but it's weird. Many mornings, I wake up, get my coffee, I start on work. You know, I'm working at writing software and often enough at the start of the day i have a hard time getting into it I, I, i'm just i'm not really focused on it and on certain days of the week i i lift uh, i usually do it at around one o'clock in the afternoon so I, I work for four hours i take a break where i go lift and do that whole thing and then I, I go back to it so some of these days i'll be supposed to work on software and all i can think about is lifting i'm thinking about the program i've got Maybe I'm wanting to read some article that came out. Whatever the case, that's what I'm thinking about. And I'm having a really hard time getting into work. The day will progress and it will get to where I need to start switching into, okay, put clothes on, either go to the gym or lately it's been workout at home, get down in the basement, get going on stuff. And as I feel that need of, oh, I need to get into that, I start getting more and more focused on work where it's hard for me to disengage from work. I'm 
I start going, oh, I just, I'm going to do this one more thing and I'll get this last thing figured out and oh, I really wanted to start this and I wind up procrastinating the thing that I wanted to do in the morning and I'm really focused on work and resisting switching to doing the lifting even though that's what I was thinking about early in the day. It's There's some part of me that just doesn't want to switch it, to the point where it makes me suspiciously too interested in the thing that I'm currently doing and not wanting to do the next thing. Have you ever experienced that? Okay, wait. First, I have to clarify what you just said. You, you can't work because you're too focused on lifting. When I'm supposed to be working. Right. And then as it becomes closer to the time where you're going to be lifting, you can't stop working. Yes. Okay. Does that happen with me? See, I was about to say the basically the complete opposite of what that was. And that is that, you know, I still enjoy music, mm -hmm. but really I, I mostly do art. And, and the reason why I can't do both of them simultaneously is because it's so hard for me to switch gears. Um, when I live in this art world, my, my brain feels very comfortable and it, it's easy to remember art things and, and mm -hmm. whatever switching to music. It's, it's a whole different world and I have to completely readjust and it, it takes a lot of mental energy to switch. Um, and well, so I think that's what yeah. I mean though. I'm working and yeah. when it's, when the time to make the switch starts approaching, okay, I begin right. resisting making that switch. Okay. So, yeah, you're you're trying to hold on to what's comfortable. Yes, even though it was uncomfortable just a few hours ago. Do you think it's because of the amount of time you've spent on it? Maybe. Or, or, or you, you've become more involved in it? It's suspiciously well-timed, though. There will be days where I haven't lifted at all, or I don't need to lift, and I never really get that feeling of oh i i need to switch and i'm resisting it uh you know i'll go pa well past one o'clock where i normally would lift and still have that feeling of yeah you know not super engaged with work but on the days when i have oh, i'm going to lift at one o'clock as i get close to that one o'clock sort of deadline i start to feel that resistance where i get hyper focused on on work and don't want to switch to lifting Okay, now I am completely on the same page. Okay. I think that happens to me as well. The the exact same thing. You don't want to leave the task you're working on because you feel comfortable in it. Mm -hmm. And when you feel comfortable and safe in that world of whatever world you're working in, there is no reason to leave it to your mind. Your mind has yeah. no reason to leave it really because you're safe in working on it. Um, you feel comfortable. Um, yeah. and, and so it always takes a significant amount of energy to change gears completely and go into a different thing, a, a mm -hmm. different world of interest where, where there's totally different rules. Like lifting is completely different than software engineering. Yeah. I wonder um, too. Art is completely different from music. Yeah. It's really hard for me to switch from one to the other. Yeah. I wonder too if it has to feel, uh, it has to do with that sense of urgency that you were talking about where even something as simple as, oh, I need to stop, or I need to stop in 15 minutes and go do something else, which 
part of it, it i think is me resisting going to lift maybe i'm a little bit anxious of i up the weight a bit it's going to be hard whatever right. so that, that's part of it but also the i i'm gonna leave this in 15 minutes and i didn't maybe quite get done what i wanted to right whatever the case is suddenly the time starts to feel real whereas if you have the entire day it just feels this big ocean of oh, i didn't really get that much done in the past half hour but it's fine i'm still here for six hours and right you know, and then you start thinking no i i really did mean to do a good job in this area no yeah. i i yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah 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 right it makes it more of a present moment Okay, so you got any more notes? I they crashed, so I'm bringing them back up. Okay, uh, I got, I got one, and it's it's another reason why I procrastinate, and that is the not your fault procrastination. That is oh. when I'm working really hard on something and I get taken away from it, and it's it's not my fault. Um. Okay, say I have a Saturday and a Sunday planned out. I'm going to work super hard on Saturday and then I'm going to work really hard on the next thing on Sunday. If on Saturday I'm working very hard and something comes up and I'm taken away from it, whatever the reason, it's not my fault. Yeah. I was working hard. Honestly, I was doing great. Yeah. I'm taken away. I have nothing to do with it. And the, and the rest of my Saturday is completely blown. On Sunday, I wake up a failure again um it and it, it's like I, I have to completely readjust the it's my whole plan has been ruined mm -hmm. everything's shattered i don't know what to do it's like i would have to break down everything all over again mm -hmm. and i just it, it's too big of a problem and i can't do it and so then I procrastinate and I, I maybe blow my whole Sunday, even if right. I have the whole day to myself to work on things. Do you think it's, is it a problem of restarting that you just don't want to push the train again? Or is it more of this, I had this perfect idea of how this weekend would be and it's ruined and I just don't want it anymore. It's probably both. Yeah. I mean, because everything gets ruined, I did have a perfect idea of me working really hard and getting all these things done. It's like, even if I achieve everything I wanted to achieve on Sunday, I still did not achieve everything I wanted to mm -hmm. achieve on Saturday. And therefore, no matter what I do, I can't succeed at it be because of my previous plan. It's all ruined. Why even try? I'll just put this off indefinitely okay let me this has happened to me multiple times yeah yeah okay let me ask you this maybe not now but think back when smartphones were newer and much more exciting you got your first iphone or the second iphone you got uh okay. and it was this object that you thought was awesome and you really liked and you spent a lot of money and then you dropped it and the screen cracked or you got maybe even something really tiny like you got a scratch on it or, or maybe as a kid you got a bike and you thought the bike was amazing and then you scuffed it or something for me in those moments i felt this feeling of oh this is garbage now i'm so crushed this thing 
is just it could be the tiniest little flaw first car i got whatever and it's this awful feeling of just despair is that familiar to you at all yeah 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 okay so i wonder if that's a bit similar again with the fantasy hyper optimistic ideation of something of oh i'm gonna be super productive this weekend i'm gonna get all this stuff done and then there's some little flaw that gets put there of oh i just had an hour stolen from me because a contractor had to come by whatever and then you're just you have this feeling of oh forget it i don't i don't even want it anymore it's all ruined yeah no that's what happens okay um what do I do about it? I don't know. <laughs> I really don't. I I have such a hard time coming back from that because mm-hmm. it's just, it's such a, it feels like such a failure of, of me, you know? I, I don't know. I, 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 that's the, that is the one procrastination cause that I cannot seem to come back from. And it's just when my plans are ruined. When my deadlines don't make sense it's like all of this work that i put into making all of these things Mm -hmm. run smoothly they just fall all apart and you know it just seems it feels hopeless when that happens does does that happen to you or yo yes absolutely i'm okay uh i just don't know how to answer because i'm not i i think i have dealt with that in many ways i I think that aspect of procrastination has to do with the second side of the problem. For me, it's not the difficulty of the task, it's the fantasy, wonderful future version, delusional optimism part of it. Uh, And part of, I think part of that is these perfect fantasies that you have that don't necessarily correspond to reality. If you sat down and thought about it, you would think if I wanted to spend 12 hours this weekend working on something and something happened, so now I can only spend 10, that's better than zero. You have X number of hours in that weekend. And yes, you had one cruelly stolen from you, but that doesn't change the fact that you still have 10 hours available or 11 and you can still spend them that way. Uh, One of the things that I think has helped me a lot in the way I deal with that problem is the lifting, the, the physical activity, because it forces in particular the powerlifting because the powerlifting is extremely measured you know i have charts and numbers and very specific targets of i'm going to try to do this weight this many times with this many minutes in between sets and blah 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 all the way down to the last little pound and if i if i hit the target then i know i hit the target and i did well and if i miss the target you know oh i, I couldn't finish that last rep i'm not doing what i needed to do uh it's easy for me to have that feeling of you know oh something happened i couldn't go to the gym today somebody came over and i was i had a plan and it's ruined and it's easy for me to want to just drop all of it but because it's so measured out and because i have done it for a while i recognize that if i miss a day the effect is fairly minor if i miss two months the effect is pretty serious 
uh, and I have hard numbers to to see that with. And I, I can see that if, if I miss a day of lifting or I don't finish what I wanted myself to do, I can tell the next week what the effect is. And usually it's not very much if it's just a single missed or interfered with workout. Uh, it's, uh, something about the powerlifting forces me into that long-term thinking in a way that I can see very clearly in front of me. Uh, and I, that has been helpful to me is, is being kind of forced to do that. Well, I'll make ambitious plans, year plans or three month plans. Yeah. And, and those are the things that crush me because something will come up to where I, I can't do them and say those three month plans are broken into each month and then each mm -hmm. week and then each day. And I have oh, okay. chapters of books all, all sorted out right. and then something happens and then all of a sudden all of that planning yeah. is just trash. And, and so it makes me not want to go back to it, which. So I think that you are a bad planner. Okay. <laughs> because, okay, with my example of setting a goal for, I'm going to do 200 pushups every day, which is a real thing that I did do one year yeah. for New Year's. I thought I'm going to do 200 pushups every day. The problem with that plan is it does not acknowledge the fact that sometimes stuff happens and it's extremely likely, close to 100%, that there will be, soon enough, someday where I can't do that. I'm sick. I'm traveling. Somebody came over. Who knows? The dog had to go to the overnight vet, which has happened a few times. I can't do my push-ups right. that day. And if the whole plan hinges on nothing ever going wrong for an entire year, and it falls down completely as soon as that thing happens, which is almost guaranteed to happen. And that's a pretty stupid plan. And it fits into that guilt, crappy feeling thing that happens where if you had a goal or something you were trying to do and you didn't do it, you wind up just feeling bad about it. Uh, right. You know, the opposite of accomplishing something and feeling good. It, it guarantees that that's going to happen. And if you're gonna, if you miss a day and then you're gonna start the next day, you have to start with one, feeling guilty about missing it, and two, this feeling of, oh, I failed my goal. I'm now on track to not complete my goal. What's the point of, of finishing this out? Right. So I think the way to do it, so I, I can't remember if I've talked about this before, but with the powerlifting, the way you plan for powerlifting or at least the way that I do it, is that you, you typically use roughly one month blocks of four weeks to six weeks-ish. Uh, and at the end of each one of those cycles, you take a week off. That's just, it's part of the program is that you need to give your body a little bit of longer term rest. And so you take some time off. And what I have found is that having that relief valve of having a week off that absorbs so many of those moments of something getting interrupted and what i typically do now is i'll do one to two cycles and whenever life presents me with a deload week of oh there's this stuff happening or somebody's coming over or whatever okay okay this is my week off and then i will go back to to working next and that that always was the plan i planned on having a week off that was intentional it's baked into the program uh, and so when it happens, it's still according to the plan. I should work that more into my plans. I think it's honestly pretty key. It's that 
again, the fantasy thing of I'm going to have this perfect future of accomplishing everything. And as soon as it goes wrong, it shatters your dream. And now you're crushed and you write the whole thing off. I think you, you have to plan on that happening because it will almost guaranteed. I think I have a lot of denial about how much time I have. Yes. You know, because yeah. it's it, how much time I have or how much free time I have now with a full-time job mm -hmm. is completely different than what I used to have with like a part-time job. And so you drive to work at least sometimes and you have yeah. a wife and dogs and everything. Right. Yeah. So yeah, I think my plans may be too ambitious and yeah. they, only set me up to fail at them yeah i think you're picturing future daniel as somehow being able to use every second of a day in the absolute best case scenario even though that's not realistic right i will try to factor in more i swear it's that it's that weird optimism yeah. thing yeah i have too much optimism i should be more yeah naive. you are too optimistic I'm I'm serious. That's yeah, no, it's really true. fundamental, I think. All right, I'm trying to find Do you have anything else on your list? I don't know, my list is gigantic. Um Oh, I got one. This is probably my last thing. Okay. But one of the reasons why I procrastinate, I believe now, after just hearing it for the first time in my life, is because <laughs> of social esteem protection is, is what this type oh. of procrastination is, is called. Yeah. Yeah, you heard it in the podcast. Yes, too, I did. And I, I wanted to bring it up too. I'm glad you mentioned it. I hate it because I think it's completely true. Mm-hmm. And I've always liked to believe that I'm like this unique human and I'm different than everyone. Yeah. But yeah, this is one know. that I, I don't want to admit to because it's kind of a gross thing to have to say about yeah. yourself. But if it's true, it's true. I, I felt this a lot in particular in high school where, uh, I don't, I, my reputation was not good so i don't know why I, I don't know i was very concerned with my reputation even though it kind of sucked but i had this idea that i was really good at stuff and if i procrastinated to the last second let's say i had some report due and i could write an amazing report if i wanted to but i procrastinated to the last second so i had to do it in an hour so it wasn't that good but that's fine. I still could have done an amazing report. I just did it the last hour. So it was super rushed. So that still well, means that I'm awesome at, at writing reports. I just couldn't do an amazing job because I had to shove it into an hour. Right. It's you, even sub, subconsciously, for me, it, it, it usually is. I'm subconsciously procrastinating because I can then blame the failure of the task mm -hmm. on lack of time instead of lack of ability if the task yeah. is not complete be, because i procrastinated and because there wasn't enough time so to speak right um i can the... say oh i didn't have enough time and then p i can still say that oh i would have done a great job yeah if i had enough time yeah 
you or know. even it doesn't even have to be a failed job just the mediocrity of it yeah Can yeah just... whereas if i had worked on it every second that i could right and it wasn't it didn't turn out well yeah that you would have be to, on me yes you have to own that that was your best yeah, yeah. yes that's a very key piece of the procrastinating i think again like we said there's many different reasons and i don't feel this one as much anymore as i used to i know it was a major factor in high school but there is this feeling of almost being afraid of ever doing your best because then that's your best you have to own that versus right. shoving it to the last possible minute and rushing it and then you have this wonderful way of separating yourself and going oh well it's not great but you know i did it's it not my fault. Right. right i'm still awesome yeah so that's self-esteem protection mm -hmm. yeah it almost like the procrastination almost it, it's like it gives you a relief from that too it's i think it can be very uncomfortable to work really hard and you know the perfectionism can spiral out of control and that identity part of it where it we i don't know that we talked about this too much but oftentimes you will procrastinate things because they are important you know they're they're difficult they're foggy they're uncomfortable but also they're important there's some outcome from this action uh that is causing it to it's almost like an amplifier and makes it even worse because of the the unpredictability of it uh right in, in that case you know you're doing some assignment for school test paper whatever uh if there is a piece of your reputation involved with that it makes it maybe vague and foggy but also it matters it's there is an outcome and you don't know what it'll be and that makes it even more uncomfortable and the procrastinating it to the last possible minute and doing it against the deadline it removes all of that where yeah you know well i just had to get it done so yeah sure it's not perfect the other thing i was going to say and that this is kind of just this is the end <laughs> okay at the end of the day uh it doesn't matter how much you want something mm -hmm. at all you can fantasize it fantasize about it all you want but unless you're getting the work done nothing matters nothing matters at all and 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 that is your reason for not procrastinating i yes i would even say that if you're fantasizing about something that's likely the problem that's likely very bad yeah because it feeds into that delusionally optimistic future fantasy perfect version of you thing and that's the enemy of of doing something now versus doing it later yeah it's this idea of this perfect future and then you look at reality and it's just it's so different yeah and yeah uh it's it feeds into perfectionism so yes i think fantasizing about things is exactly the opposite of what you should do you should spend your mental energy trying to turn a task into something stupidly simple or, or at least made up of stupidly simple pieces i mean some things are still big and complicated but uh 
here's a quick example on that. Um, one of my recommended solutions is to count things, which sounds silly, but I think it's very effective. So I needed to do the dishes the other night and the kitchen had kind of gotten to a state of being pretty rough. And I don't, I don't like cleaning the kitchen, but I needed to do it. And I was procrastinating and I was trying to observe why I was procrastinating. So I'm thinking about, okay, what is it about me going in there and doing the, the dishes, cleaning the kitchen that I don't like? And I thought about it and figured, well, there's basically, I think four parts to it. You know, I'm going to throw away any trash and loose food items or whatever on the counter, you know, random napkins and things. Not, that part's pretty easy. Uh, then I'm going to put stuff in the dishwasher, like plates and bowls and silverware. And actually that part's pretty easy too. It goes quick. You just grab a plate, stick it in the thing. So that's not so bad. Uh, but then I will need to wash the pots and pans. And that was the one I could tell that I didn't like. Uh, you know, just mentally counting through the steps of cleaning the kitchen, that's the one that felt a little bit gross to me. And then I thought, well, why does that one feel weird? And it's because how many pots and pans do I have to do? And are there cutting boards? And sometimes they're full of gross stuff. Uh, you know, that's the, the messy part, the big unknown. I don't know how much I'm gonna work I'm gonna have to do there. And then I figured, well, okay, I'll walk in the kitchen and I'll see how many I have to do. And I counted them and there were four. I had a cutting board, a pot, another pot, and a knife that needed to be washed. It's like, okay, well, there's four things that I have to wash. And that's not that bad if I just think through four. I can picture myself doing the first one and then the second one and then I'm four and I'm done. Uh, and that mostly, in, well, in step four after doing the pots and pans was wiping down the counter, which again is really easy. So just trying to count up how many tasks I had to do and then for the gross one, how many subtasks or how many pots I had to do, just the act of counting them out made it feel so much more simple and concrete, where I'm not picturing this mountain of dishes and I, oh my God, here's another one, here's another one, and this one, something's baked on it. All I had to do was walk in there and just observe and think that, okay, there's this many, I'm gonna have to watch, wash four pots, or two pots and a cutting board and a knife, and that really isn't that bad. So I find that very helpful for me. Counting things. Yes, I've never just thought count about them. that. It, to me, it's similar to making a to-do list. It, it forces yeah. you to think about it and actually make it concrete of what am I going to actually have to do. It takes away the vagueness and yeah, the, yeah, yeah. the fog. Yes, yeah. it helps dissipate the fog. That's really the the key thing. Yeah. So, how, how do you summarize <laughs> all this? What, what do you do? If you're a procrastinator, what do you do? Okay. I guess we just talked about it all. But... We did. Okay, let's see if we can turn that into something reasonably simple and concrete. Uh, number one, and I don't even know if we talked about this, but make sure your environment supports you doing good work. Yeah, that's a whole other thing. <laughs> Never. Um, yeah, the I I wanted to talk about this is this is the problem with writing eight pages of key things to make sure you talk about. There's nothing's key thing anymore if you have eight pages of it. I wanted to talk about the the Marie Kondo's Sparks Joy thing and how uh, 
you want the the thing that you need to work on you know sitting down at your desk to write or work on music it should be wonderful and it should spark joy and it should feel really good when you do it uh and the things that are habitually distracting like getting on social media you should make those not spark joy if you can make it annoying to get into you have to put in a password every time try to put friction there in in the in the in the way of those things um but more importantly whatever you want to work on you should create this wonderful environment that you like yeah that su supports you doing the thing that you actually really want to do yeah and yeah getting rid of distractions and things you don't like yeah I like I'll, your Marie I'll, Kondo's way of saying it. Yeah, make it. I mean, but again, St Stephen made a garden. The you can procrastinate with anything. I mean, I can yeah. spend time with this sudden sense of urgency, tracking the price history of cotton balls on Camel 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 because I don't know for some reason I need to. That's a what? site that let it. <laughs> there's a site called Camel 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 that lets you tr uh, track price history of Amazon products. I okay. imagine the reason they call it that is because it shows you a graph and maybe there's like different, I don't know. Who cares? Any, the point is that it's stupid and pointless, Okay. but it will suddenly become the most fascinating thing in the world if I have some important thing that I need to do that I'm procrastinating on. So social media is not the only problem there. You can get, you can procrastinate with anything. Uh, so I think the, the main point there is make the thing you want to do feel really good, if at all possible. Agreed. And take away vagueness. Yeah, okay, yeah. Make the thing nice. Get rid of the fog. Take away vagueness. If things seem really scary, just know that they probably aren't. So is is there a way that you can break them down and make them yes. very clear set set the opposite of fantasy goals don't go to the gym for two and a half hours and work your ass off for the first time ever go to the gym park and then leave that should be your goal yeah stop thinking about what you're going to be in the future and start thinking about what you're yeah. going to get done today what you've gotten done so far yes here's the big secret you are future you it's you there is no future you what you do today is what you do I mean, there is no better version of you coming unless you make it, but that's up to present you. Uh, also, the longer you put off working on the thing, the worse it gets. The guilt snowball. Yeah, the guilt snowball. Yeah. So just wake up. If you can, wake up in the morning, go straight to that thing mm -hmm. and start working on it. Yeah. I think you can you can work on it for five minutes if that's if that's the level you're at where you are really resisting doing something then make that your goal i'm gonna wake up i'm gonna do it for five minutes and stop see if you can do that make the starting part of it easier all right i th i think if we talk anymore we're just gonna i don't know start falling asleep or something yeah i know this is uh, we've been talking for a while but procrastination's a big one a huge one it's and we could keep talking about it I know. It, it never really ends i know and there is no perfect way to sum it up at least there's I don't not know how i i think that something on the level of procrastination that it's almost silly to try and sum it up or act like there are simple solutions to it uh i 
at least for me, it's a problem that I have dealt with my whole life and I've made serious improvements on it and it's gotten better, but it's still a problem. It, and I, I think it will be a problem forever. I almost think of it uh, like alcoholics, right? If, if someone's an alcoholic and they're in recovery, they never say, oh, I used to be an alcoholic, but I'm not anymore. They always specifically say, I'm a recovering alcoholic. It's not a recovered alcoholic. It's not a used to be. It's I'm a recovering alcoholic as it, it is an active process that they are still doing and it, it they're never going to stop doing it. They're a recovering alcoholic forever because that's a problem that they just have to deal with for the rest of their life. And I think that is my relationship with procrastination. I am a, <laughs> a recovering procrastinator, I guess. Yeah. I, me too. You know, treating it like a simple problem is is foolish. So. Yeah, I completely agree. All yeah. right. Uh, just to sum things up, procrastination's bad. Don't do it. Um, simple as that. We, we've been reading everybody's comments, and we really love them. We think they're wonderful. Yeah. Uh, keep, keep commenting. Keep asking questions. Uh, we want to do a video where we address all the questions that you've been asking us. Um, I think that could be a lot of fun. And even just read some of the fantastic things that people have posted. I don't even, it's not even a question to us necessarily. Sometimes it's just a really good observation. Yeah. And, and we really appreciate it. Uh, if you're listening on, I think Apple podcasts, uh, leave a review, uh, give us however many stars you think we deserve. <laughs> uh, and I think that's it. Yeah. Thanks yeah. for listening. All right. See you next week. Uh, I, I never did the uh, evil slot machine metaphor. What's the evil slot machine metaphor? Wait, wait, wait. Are you recording? <laughs> yeah. Okay. Say say that again. You never did. I, I never did the evil slot machine metaphor. What's the evil slot machine metaphor? I thought it was a good way to think about certain tasks and how they're very uh, gross and weird and uncomfortable. So we talked about social media and how it's a bit like a slot machine, right? Where you do this, this wonderful, comfortable action of pulling the lever and then you get this random reward to it. Uh, to me, doing something that I don't like is a bit, it, it, I tried to picture like, what's the opposite of that? So imagine a slot machine where instead of pulling a lever, you had to run a mile in flip-flops with a backpack full of textbooks or something just this really annoying uncomfortable thing and that was how you activated the slot machine and then this slot machine would the way it worked was it didn't have dials you had to reach your hand inside of it and like put your palm up yeah and you can't see inside of there and it might <laughs> this was fun to think about it, it might put something Wait, in your... did you come up with this yeah Okay, continue. <laughs> it might put like a piece of paper in your hand. You pull it out and it's a $10 bill. And you're like, yes, I got something good. Uh, but it also might put something cold and wet in your hand and you pull it out and it's like a dead squid. Or it might prick your finger with a needle and, you, and there's like a little bit of blood. Yeah, it's horrifying, right? What the hell does this have to do with procrastination? <laughs> that, the evil slot machine, is my idea of a a thing that I don't want to do, especially if it's important. Uh, say I'm gonna, I don't know, I have to give a speech at somebody's wedding. 
it's hard. I have to do something annoying to get there. And then the outcome, I don't know what it will. It, everyone might love it. And that's like a good reward of me pulling out a $10 bill or I might get laughed at or I might forget what I was going to say and stand there awkwardly stammering, not knowing how to do it. Like there's in my mind doing this thing is like reaching inside that evil slot machine. I don't know the outcome. Some of them are good. Some of them are bad, but I can't see them and it's gross and awful. And this nightmare thing, that's the, the way I feel about doing something. It's the opposite of what you get addicted to. That's why I procrastinate all the time because you don't pull the lever and get something nice every time. Doing something, it's, it feels like the evil version of that. All right. That's my evil slot machine metaphor. God, that's, I'm going to have a nightmare about that. Yeah. That's terrifying. Well, that's how I feel about doing anything. I think it makes it Fair enough. real. I, yeah, that <laughs> I makes don't know. sense. I spent the whole week thinking about procrastination, and that's one of the things I came up with. All right, fair enough. 